Before we start, we wanted to let you know that this episode contains lived experience stories of youth and adult justice. If that's not something you want to listen to, maybe skip this one. And remember, if you ever are in need of support, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hey guys, uh, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to let you know about Relationships Australia, South Australia's post-care support services. It's a free confidential service for people who've been in care. Um, their number is 1800 188 118. Hi, I'm Zane. Hi, I'm Jamie. Hi, I'm Emily, and this is Straight Up, a podcast made for people who have been in government care, and it's made with people who have been in care. This is Nora. She helps us make Straight Up. Hello. This podcast is part of GOM Central, which is a website and game for people transitioning out of state care. Uh, and this episode is about youth justice or juvenile detention. Um, I'm actually... Well, I was pretty ignorant about youth justice growing up. I never knew what Caban was until a couple of, year, couple of years ago. Um, and I'm assuming most of the people listening will probably know, but do you guys want to explain what Caban is to those who don't? Yeah, so I've, I've never been there, but in one of my group homes, I lived with someone who just got out of Caban for an attempted murder. And he told me a lot of things about Caban. What kind of things? You're you're on a schedule the whole time. There's not much to do. I can't really remember. It's been a long time. Mm. But I think the vibe that I got was it was a lot more slack and forgiving than a prison would be. I think um, that's something we explored a bit in this episode is the fact that a lot of young people from care go into youth justice system and then um, a lot of them kind of continue whatever they're doing that lands them in youth justice once they turn 18. And as soon as you've turned 18, you go into adult prison, which is a completely different experience. Um, I myself haven't actually had an experience in Caven, but I do have family that have. Um, my understanding of it is um, it's obviously a youth detention centre for children and young people under the age of 18 who have... Um, committed an offence um it's from what I've also been told it's um quite strict um not a very nice environment um but a lot nicer than what adult prison would be another thing I've picked up is that a lot of young people from care end up in youth justice system why do you think that is well I think it's because in my group homes there would be a cop coming through the house every single day, mm. like literally almost every single day. And it was either to check up on this housemate that I had who was on home detention or because the other housemate got angry because they wouldn't let him call his family or he they didn't give him his meds correctly um, or they knew that one of us had smoked some weed so they took some sniffer dog through the house or something. Just little stuff, but the fact that the smallest thing will get the police called on you, I think it makes it really hard not to get a record, especially if, I mean, I was 
the least naughty out of the three of us in mm. that house. And I feel like I got a little bit implicated uh, just by being, living with them people. You think there's um, a kind of like a spotlight on kids in residential care? Yeah, especially especially the boys. Mm-hmm. Actually, I mean, actually, I can't really speak for the girls, but yeah. Why so many kids from care end up in youth justice system? Many reasons. I think um, they get lost in the system, um, you know, whether that's because they've met the wrong people in the homes that they've been put in or um, external individuals. Um, Some, you know, need a bed, some need a meal. Um, Some people just have friends in there. Some people go there because there's school and they get schooling done. Do you think that um, people's parents being from pretty rough backgrounds um, and maybe being in jail themselves would contribute to it? Yeah, I feel like it's a cycle and you you can easily get involved in that, especially if, you know, you're unemployed, uneducated, don't have qualifications, don't have money. I think it's quite easy. I definitely believe that, yeah, drug use, um, uh, imprisonment, and uh, having your kids in care is, is, a, is a cycle. They might be separate or they might be intertwined, but I think that uh, it's definitely a cycle. I think it, um, the trauma aspect of it somewhat explains the Indigenous overrepresentation as well, like both in care and in juvenile detention. There's Even in adult massive prisons. overrepresentation, yeah, which is... For people that aren't necessarily in care is yeah. also a really big problem to me, is explained by colonisation um, and the massive amounts of trauma that's, that Indigenous Australians have gone through. It's crazy because I think Indigenous people only take up 3% of our population in Australia as well, mm. but they've got the highest rates. Yeah, in adult and, yeah, juvenile detention. Um, so I also think that another reason that uh, people in group homes... Uh, end up so so often end up in uh, the court system or the youth justice system is because they very quickly learn like a familiarity with police and like I very quickly was just used to the cops looking for me or being in the back of a paddy wagon and that was just normal for me mm. like I couldn't uh, see my family or my friends at any point, like without uh, giving the addresses and all this, and then having going through a police check. And a lot of people that I wanted to see didn't weren't comfortable with that, so I would go there and go become a missing person, which means that they will go out searching for you. Mm. So I remember one time I spent. A couple of weeks just sleeping between couches. I one time I went to a party and it was right around the corner from my group home, and I wanted to to sleep there that night. And I went back and no one was there. And it was around midnight, and I called up uh, crisis care. And after a couple of hours, the only salute because there was no workers at the house, the only solution that I had because I had nowhere else to sleep that night was. If you don't find a place to sleep, the cops will get you and you'll sleep in a cell. Mm. And 
if that's they were my only options and it's like hard not to get familiar with uh the police when you yeah. don't really have a choice that's a story that i've yeah. heard from other young people as well one young woman told me once she stole a pair of shoes because she didn't have anywhere to stay that night and she didn't have any food and she wanted a bed so we had a lot of help um on this episode from a guy called jacob uh, he and a few other young people who've had experiences inside Cavan uh, shared their stories for the podcast um, and we've kept some of their identities anonymous. Can you tell me about like getting involved with youth justice? Um, have you been in Katukavan? Yeah, I've been there once. Yeah, that's the same with me. I've only been there for one one big time and then all the others were just over the weekends and overnights. Yeah, I've spent some time in youth detention. I've probably spent about 12 months. Um, I ended up losing my shit one day because they placed me in the house or into the unit where my cousin's cousin had killed himself mm. a couple of years beforehand. So I didn't want to live there anyway. I just ended up knocking out the worker and assaulting two workers and then did like 14 grand damage. So that's why I did the whole thing, just to get put into Kivan. Mainly absconding from care charges, so NPR charges and things like that, along with theft charges and things I did while I wasn't at home with my carer or when I was absconding from residential care units and things like that. So Yeah, with me, I was going to school and that before they moved me to a DCP unit. I wasn't doing drugs or nothing, but then as soon as I... I can't blame them mostly for what... because it was my decisions for what I'd done. I just started doing a lot of small stuff. I thought that stuff was my side of fun to do. And then I started doing more serious stuff and then more serious stuff, and, and then that's when I got done. Everything catches up to you. That's really the point. So my name is Mary Wellington. I'm the coordinator of the Redress Support Service at Relationships Australia. And I work with people who have a um, history of being in institutional care. So lots of people who they've been in care and often in juvenile justice system. I found that it's a common theme that they're lacking um, boundaries or a sense of belonging. Um, and then that's led to perhaps engaging in antisocial behaviours, um, often in order to survive. Um, if they don't have a sense of belong, no home, then that can lead to needing to steal food to survive. And then that leads to the juvenile justice system. And unfortunately, once you get into the system, it can be a little bit like crime university. Um, pretty quick way of learning all the bad stuff to do. Um, and then that just becomes a cycle. I only did the crime and only hanged out with those people because I wanted friends. I was never accepted at school, didn't have any friends, always said an SSO following me around. So it was like I was the oddball. But with them, I wasn't the oddball. I was just like them. I was on the street with nothing, doing crime, like didn't have much of a future, but we had each other. Have you got any mates inside while you were in Cavan or any mates currently? Yeah, when I went in there, I knew all of the girls. Well, there's only five, including me, but I knew them all. Yeah, same. There's quite a bit of people I knew in there and the world who I knew on the outside as well. 
that really does happen. It becomes almost a rite of passage for some people. People, when they're young, might think that that's really cool, that, you know, well, everybody else has been in prison, so I'll be a hard person if I do it as well. And I think parents and and other people in positions of authority or or those people who are role models in young people's lives need to realise that their behaviour does set a standard and if that standard is is lowered to making prison okay you're really doing doing an injustice to that young person in the long term you know and and how do you and how does a kid explain that when they go to school where's your dad or where's your mum Philip Broderick, do you want to just explain your kind of experience with youth justice? I started out doing law, I was a lawyer, and then I was appointed a magistrate, which I am at the moment. Uh, And in 2012, fairly much straight away, I was appointed into the youth court. And I was there from 2012 until 2016. How many young people from a care background do you see coming through the the kind of the criminal side of the youth courts? You know, anecdotally, or you know, from my recollection, and it's now three years since I was there, a lot. Certainly, they were disproportionately a large number from my recollection, and I think that's borne out. And largely because they were, they were troubled. I mean, the other thing in terms of the youth justice is that there are a lot of Aboriginal boys and girls who are involved in this, and there's about a third of them would be in relation to care. There's lots of fractures in terms of the families and deprivation. Do you think that the status or background of us being in care makes any difference on the sentencing that you give? You are always meant to take people's backgrounds into account. In fact, you do. Um, It doesn't always mean that's an excuse, but it certainly puts often into context or a reason, you know, why people have done what they do. Therefore, the penalty at the end of that has got to be something that's in balance with support you've ever had. Because in some cases, the punishment that you can dish out, whatever it is, whether it's detention or other things, is just nothing compared to what these people have come up with. You're much better off to give people, if you can, opportunities and a way out and a bit of fresh air to say, it doesn't always have to be like this. You're nearly 18. You might think this life is harsh, especially if you've been in, in detention at Caban. But the stroke of your birthday and it's a whole new ugly world. And then and then you're the bottom of the pecking order. You might have been. You're one of the big boys or girls. And now it's brutal and it's I don't have anything equipped to get me out of this unless someone saves me. And not everybody comes along and saves them. And there's no one stepping in earlier on to say, hang on, this is where, you, this is where you're going to go if you're not careful because everyone thinks the worst is not going to happen to them. Life just seems to be going on indefinitely and there's always going to be time in the future. It's not always going to be like that. And so if someone's in that position, recognises it and thinking, I've got to do something about it. You don't get handed to it. You don't just wake up one morning and it's changed. Everyone's got to work at it and realising, reaching out for what they can get access to. You might feel like you're alone and there's no one there. But if you look deep, there's always someone, man. Even if it's a close friend, even if you don't have a foster parent or you don't have a grandma or someone who's still there, you, there's someone who's thinking about you right then. And if you can just hang around them, they'll give you the support that you need. Then maybe you might not be 100% better, you just be that bit better than what you are now. You know, like, because I never spent the time with my mum, I just went, 
And she was always there to help. And I could be a hundred times better by now if only I was like, she's there to support me, not there to take what I feel like is my right to be free away. She was just trying to help me. So that thinking kind of put me in my own grave. Straight Up is part of the GOM Central project. You can find out about GOM Central by going to the website gomcentral.elmplace.org.au or join our Facebook group. GOM Central is funded by the Department of Child Protection and delivered by Relationships Australia, South Australia. Straight Up is produced by Narrative Marketing. Your hosts are Jamie Lee Nelson, Zane Tonks, Emily Mackay and Nora Goldborn. The production team include Nora Goldborn, Cass Eddington, Michelle Filsel, Naomi Ebert-Smith. This podcast was created on Ghana and Paramount country. We wish to acknowledge the Ghana and Paramount peoples and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians. A special thanks to Mary Wellington, Michael Broderick and the young people who shared their stories. We will be continuing the conversation about youth justice next episode.